Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Cheeseheads. Cheese Get on your feet. It's Curd and Law. Hosted by Sparky Pfeiffer and Ryan Horvath. Hey, it's Sparky Pfeiffer, 1250 AM. The fan. Time for another edition of Curd and Long. And uh, no Ryan Horvath today. He is uh, still in Illinois visiting family. Uh, so I believe we'll have him back on the Friday edition of Curd and Long. And uh, I actually had recorded another Curd and Long earlier this morning with uh, Tony Radar Hess from the uh, morning show. And WMYX, him and Elizabeth K do that morning show, and he's a Bears fan. So we're going to do a reviewing the NFC North. I went to upload it. There was a bunch of echo. It didn't work, so forth. So this is try number two at Curd Along here on a Wednesday. Uh, and actually, it kind of works out uh, because the Jair Alexander news came after. Uh, we recorded that, so uh, we could start off this podcast uh, talking about Jair Alexander, the Packers cornerback, suspended one game. Now, Brian Gutekunst uh, said in a press release this, quote, the decision to suspend a player is never easy and not one we take lightly. Unfortunately, Jair's actions prior to the game in Carolina led us to take this step. As an organization, we have an expectation that everyone puts the team first. While we are disappointed, we had a good conversation with Jair this morning. Fully expect him to learn from this as we move forward together. We look forward to welcoming him back next week as he's a valued member of this team and will continue to be in the future, end quote, says Brian Gutenkunst, the general manager. And immediately, uh, people were mad. Uh, immediately, Packer fans uh, upset and not understanding why if a player does what a player wants to do and does not follow team rules, why that player... Uh, should be suspended a game. It's just a stupid coin toss. Who cares that he wasn't a captain? Let him do what he wants to do. We need him against the Vikings and Justin Jefferson. I hope and pray to God most of you aren't parents that lead your kids' lives the same way as you treat this example for Jair Alexander. I can only pray and hope that is not how things go. Well, you know, he broke the rules, but so what, Teach? So what? It was harmless. Who cares that he broke the rules? See, I don't think he should be punished. It was a harmless prank, whatever the case may be. And I'm sure there are parents like that. And to you, those of you, good luck to you in, in your day-to-day living. I, there, There is absolutely no chance, <laughs> there is no chance that I'm going to criticize Brian Gutekunst for doing what he should have done. No chance. And Matt LaFleur said that it was him and Brian Gunnikunz together that came to this decision. Now, to that point, I say, okay, well, what did you want him to say, right? I mean, Matt LaFleur is not going to come on and go, yeah, I 100% disagree with, with Brian on this and uh, think it was a horrible decision and the wrong move. He's not going to say that. 
You're going to be a united front. That's what being in management is about. It's about being united front and being with your guy. Regardless if you agree or not with whatever your boss says, you have to at least put on a united front when you're dealing with the people below you. That that's That's part of the deal. You cannot allow a player to act like he is bigger than the team. God knows this organization has been through that twice now with Favre and Rodgers. You're not going to go through the exact same thing with Jai Aaron Alexander, who's not as good as either one of those two guys. Especially not currently. He was the worst graded defensive player this last game. The worst graded defensive player. Is he playing hurt with his shoulder? Sure is. No question. Is he trying to gut it out? Yep. But that does not excuse the fact that you decided to ignore the rules, go run out there and be a captain, even though you were not chosen to be a captain of that game. And then on top of that, embarrass yourself and the team by not getting the right call on the coin flip, which to this day, I still don't understand how you don't know what the heck to do at a coin flip when you've been playing football as long as he has. Either way. So now it's, well, how are they ever going to beat the Vikings without Justin Jeff with Justin Jefferson without Jair? Again, this isn't Jair in prime form Jair Alexander playing the best football of his career. Long shot from it. Now you did catch a break. DJ Hawkinson out. Torn ACL. Torn MCL. Not good for the Vikings now. Not good for the Vikings next year. So from that perspective, you caught a break to a certain degree, Packer fans, because you can't cover tight ends either for the most part. So you got lucky there. Now, is that enough to overcome against one of a million quarterbacks they may throw at you in this game from the Vikings perspective because they don't really have one solid one? We'll see. We'll see if that's good enough to beat them. The other thing that cracks me up is a lot of you Packer fans that decide well, there's no accountability for Joe Barry. Why, why should there be accountability for Jair Alexander? Okay, so let's go back to the parenting reference point that I used earlier, right? So there may be accountability. You have accountability for your kids. You may do things that you're not held accountable for because you're the parent. And the kids aren't going to necessarily hold you accountable. They're children. You're the parent. It's kind of the same thing to a certain degree, right? So Joe Barry can be held accountable, absolutely. But that's not on J.R. Alexander to hold him accountable. That's not on Devondre Campbell to hold him accountable or anybody else. That's on Matt LaFleur and Brian Gutenkunst and Mark Murphy to hold him accountable at the end of the day. But Joe Barry is probably not going to be here after this year, more than likely. Now, again, if he is here after this year, then, then so be it. But Jair Alexander is a player, not an assistant football coach. So Jair Alexander being maybe one of the best players on the defensive side of the ball when he's healthy and playing at his best, you have to make sure that everybody understands that you just can't break the rules in the locker room and get away with it. There is a difference from holding a player accountable versus holding a coordinator accountable or an assistant coach, a position coach accountable, or something along those lines. Joe Barry has broken no rules, right? Other than he's not very good at his job. Fine. But Jair Alexander didn't get suspended because he gave up four 80-yard touchdown passes. Jair Alexander got suspended for breaking team rules. 
Period. End of story. Then, in the press conference with Matt LaFleur, earlier today on Wednesday, they asked him if this had to do with Carolina or was there more to it than that. And Matt LaFleur said it's never just one thing, which means there has been a chain of events with Jair Alexander that has been leading up to this moment of him getting suspended. That they were showing patience. They were letting Jair be Jair, as some of you would like to say. Well, guess what? Time ran out on Jair. The Carolina thing, that was the end of the day. End of the story. I think it was Mark Ryan, I think is who it was, uh, who was hosting on CBS Sports Radio filling in earlier today on Wednesday. I think that's who it was. And he's a uh, talk show host, uh, Upstate uh, Carolina ESPN or something like that, uh, down in the Carolinas. And they play the Jair Alexander audio um, from after the Carolina game when he was saying that, oh, you know, coach probably didn't know I was from Carolina and, you know, well, my players have my back, so I, I ran out there and, okay. So he plays it. And his point in all of this was if Alexander would have came out after the game and instead of saying that, would have said simply, hey, man, I screwed up. Like, it was... It was, I was in the moment. I, you know, I had a bunch of friends and family there. I wanted to run out there and, you know, kind of be a captain because I, you know, I, I thought that would be cool or whatever. And I, I really screwed the whole thing up. I never should have been out there. I wasn't a captain. I apologized to coach, you know, after the game about it. And, you know, my bad. I, you know, I, I screwed that whole thing up. It was just in the moment and I got all riled up or whatever. If that would have happened, then he probably wouldn't have been suspended. This wouldn't have been an issue and everybody would have moved on. But instead of doing that, Jair being Jair, wanting to be the cool guy, doubled down on what he did and played it off as no big deal. No harm, no foul. Then there were some of you who decided to roll with Jair and go, no big deal, nothing to see here, don't overreact everybody, y'all got something to grind against Jair Alexander, leave Jair alone. And y'all were wrong too. Packers got this one right. Plain and simple, I'm not moving off of that. You can tweet at Sparky Radio and email me and whatever else you want to do, yell and scream at me that I'm wrong. But I'm not wrong. I'm right. They did the right thing. And not only did they do the right thing, but this is maybe, maybe, they're going to go back to doing things the Packer way, which means you're going to be expected to act uh, and be becoming of a Green Bay Packer. And if you've got the G on your helmet, you're going to carry yourself the correct way. And if you don't, then either A, you're going to be suspended, or B, you're not going to be here. Now, they've got, what, an $8 million roster bonus, I believe, due on this dude coming up. I think it is in March. Are they going to pay it? Now, I would think a majority of people would say, hell yes, they got to pay it. He's the best cornerback. If they don't have Jair Alexander, who's playing corner? Eric Stokes looks to be like a, almost a shell of himself. He doesn't look all that fast at all out there running around. Valentine's had a flash here, flash there, but he doesn't appear that he's going to be a lockdown corner, at least not yet. I mean, so who who's going to be that guy? This is going to be where we're going to find out, truly, how fed up they really are with Jair Alexander and how much Jair Alexander really wants to be a member of the Green Bay Packers. Because sometimes when you get reprimanded by a boss, right? 
that kind of turns you off and you decide to hell with this. I don't want to be here no more. Uh, you know, the person doesn't like me. He's got it out for me. You know, screw this. I don't want to work for this person anymore. I'm going to find a new job. That happens. People can't handle being reprimanded. So just like in that situation where now it's public, right? They didn't kind of fine him and, and fine him some money and that was it under the table and they moved on. By suspending him, this becomes a public thing. Now that it's become a public thing, now it has everybody talking about it. This isn't just, you know, people in Green Bay talking about it and Milwaukee and Madison and Lacrosse. No, this is the entire country. This is on the front page of the ESPN website, on the front page of CBS Sports website. I'm sure the talking heads will be talking about this tomorrow morning would be my guess. So everybody is now talking about you being a knucklehead and being suspended. Now, he may not like that embarrassment. He may not like that heat. He may not like the fact of how this all went down, and he may not want to be here because of how this all went down at the end of the year. And he may ask out. To hell with it. I don't want to be here. You want to publicly embarrass me like that? Get me out of here. Now, I'm not saying he's going to do that, but it's something that could happen. That is a possibility. And from the Packers standpoint, you have to determine whether or not you want to go through this again with him next year. Because, folks, look, this is who this guy is, right? He's... He's a wannabe Dion, as I like to say. He, he's a wannabe Dion Sanders. Problem is, he's not Dion. He's not close to being Dion. Uh, but he has that flamboyance and uh, look at me type characteristics of Dion Sanders, which is fine. You do how you want to do you. I'm not going to sit here and tell you, you know, you know how to dress and how to carry yourself and so forth. What I'm going to say is, you got to follow the rules. You don't want to follow the rules? Out you go. So they have to determine how good is he. And is he good enough to still look past everything else that comes with him as far as, you know, when he's dealing with the media, talking and so forth? Not to his credit. There's no off-the-field incidents. There's no off-field issues. He doesn't have anything against him one way or the other. He's just is a ham, if that's what you want to call it. You know, my mom and dad always say I, I was hamming it up in front of the camera or whatever. Um, so, you know, he likes to ham it up a little bit in front of the camera. So either you're okay with it or you're not. He's going to say things that sometimes you're not going to like. When he was behind Jordan Love at the beginning of the year saying, that's my QB1, that's my guy, that's my guy, we all loved him, right? He was standing up for Jordan. Then as the season goes on and he's not playing games and so forth, now everybody's like, well, what's up with Jair Alexander? Why isn't he playing? Not playing because your training staff screwed the whole thing up and his shoulder was way worse than everybody thought. That's why he wasn't playing. And he probably shouldn't be out there now, to be honest with you, based on everything I've heard, and he's still out there trying to play. And then he makes his bonehead decision here to do what he did. I think he's back. I think they pay the $8 million roster bonus. I think he's back as a starting cornerback for the Packers next year. Part of the reason why I say that is because I don't think they can get real return on value for Jair Alexander if they trade him. I, I, I just don't, I don't think they can. He's coming off of a hurt year. So... Are you telling me you're going to get a one for Jair? Because I'm not trading Jair Alexander for less than a first-round pick. There is absolutely zero chance that is happening. You know, in real talk, I'd probably want one in something, uh, but I know that's not going to happen, but I want a one. Like, I'm, I'm not trading Jair Alexander for a second or a third-round pick. 
there is absolutely no chance. I'll deal with whatever comes with, you know, having this dude uh, saying whatever he's going to say and acting how he acts. That's fine. But I- I'm not trading him just to trade him. Like, he's not that much of a problem where I've got to move him just to move him. Now, if he comes and says, I want to trade, and he makes it public, and he puts you in a corner, well, then you're going to be stuck. Then your guy going to get less on return. Then he's going to kind of hold some leverage at the end of the day. And then your only best case scenario in that situation, if you're the Packers, is hope and pray to God that you get some type of bidding war between a couple of teams that are willing to bid it up uh, to try and get Jerry Alexander you know, on their football team kind of going forward. And because of this, between him and Devondre Campbell, you've got the offensive side of the football, guys like Jordan Love having to be asked about how much of a distraction is this, Jordan? That's what was being brought to him at his locker on Wednesday. And Jordan Love having to pretty much tell everybody, hey, man, look, we're, we're all just trying to get into the playoffs here. Like, I'm not worried about all that other stuff. I'm more worried about making sure, you know, this offense is doing what we're supposed to be doing and improving every week and yada, yada, yada. And as always, Jordan Love always answers things correctly. Like, he's yet to misstep. Will he misstep at some point in his career? Yeah, probably. Everybody does. But to this point, he's been perfect as far as answering questions the correct way. It's like he took a media relations class. Uh, So, you know, but now they're having answer questions about these defensive guys being upset about whatever may be going on one way or the other, getting themselves in trouble like Jair did, you know, with the Carolina thing. It's just turned into a complete fiasco. And you look at it and you go, with all the injuries this team has had, the circus now that they've encountered the last two, three weeks on the defensive side of the ball, then as bad as the defense has been to the point where everybody's asking for the coordinator to be fired, And here you sit with two weeks to go, coming off a win with pretty much your own destiny in your hands to a a certain degree. If you win the next two games, you got a really good chance of going to the playoffs, having overcome everything you overcome. Then I see a stat earlier today um, that I really was kind of surprised by, uh, and I want to bring that stat to you as well. Uh, this stat was from Arjan Menon. I don't know who this person is, uh, but it's offensive three and out rate this season. So to put it into perspective, it's a bar graph, and it says three and out rates include any first series of a drive that results in a turnover or failure to gain a first down or a touchdown. So essentially, you get on the field, uh, you don't get a first down or don't do anything, and you punt the ball after you know three downs, one, two, three, punt. Now, the best team in the National Football League at avoiding one, two, three punts and having as few as possible is the Detroit Lions. That shouldn't be surprising. They're a really good football team. Then there are three teams tied for second. The Miami Dolphins, explosive offense. No surprise there. The Kansas City Chiefs and the Green Bay Packers. So 26% of the time is the Lions at number one. Then the Packers, Chiefs, and Dolphins at 27%. The Rams and the Ravens at 28%. The Bills and the Cowboys at 29%. The Bengals and Vikings at 30%. Guys, that is unbelievable if you think about it. Now, to put it in perspective, the worst teams in football, the New England Patriots have had to go 1-2-3-punt 46% of the time. The Giants, who beat you, are 45% of the time. The Broncos, who beat you, 42% percent of the time. Again, those two offense, those two teams should not have beat the Packers. But either way, 
facing the Packers at two different times of the year, obviously. And Broncos being the Packers set off their five-game winning streak, uh, and now we come to find out Russell Wilson gets benched uh, because he doesn't want to change his contract over injury guarantees, all that nonsense uh, and stupidity in Denver. What a complete dumpster fire the Broncos organization is. Uh, But either way, if you think about that for a second, they're second best in the NFL. If you go back to that stretch where they were losing football games against the Raiders and the like, and the Lions was in that mix, what was happening? They couldn't score in first half. They were going one, two, three, punt, four, five times in a half, right? I mean, that was consistent every week. It was one, two, three, punt, one, two, three, punt, one, two, three, punt in first half of games. LaFleur was losing his mind. I mean, if they would have just been average in that stretch, they'd be the best team in football as far as avoiding one, two, three punts. They would have been first easily in front of the Detroit Lions with the youngest offense in all of the National Football League. I was saying uh, earlier in the podcast that I had recorded a different podcast earlier today with uh, Radar from the uh, WMYX morning show here in Milwaukee. He does the morning show with Elizabeth Kay. And on that podcast, he's a big Bears fan, and I was telling him, I think, that the Green Bay Packers next year and years to come are going to be a top three offense in the National Football League year in and year out. And I said, I wouldn't be surprised if they were the best offense before this whole thing is said and done. And, he, you know, he's a Bears fan, so he's like, best offense? What, are you crazy? No. I'm telling you, there is no question in my mind If they can stay even remotely healthy, because the offense hasn't even been healthy this year by any stretch of the imagination, and they're still that good, imagine if they would have been healthy this year. They would have had Bakhtiari and Jones and so forth. They're a playoff team. There's no question they're a playoff team. How about this? Y'all like uh, the QBR stat that ESPN made up, right, where they watch the videos and all that, kind of like their their version of pro football focus, and they, they come up with this quarterback rating. So... Here you go. Weeks one through week 16, all the way through. This is from the U Stadium uh, Twitter account. Top 10, Brock Purdy, 71.7. Then Josh Allen, Dak Prescott, Matthew Stafford, Justin Herbert, Kirk Cousins at 63.2. Patrick Mahomes, 63.1. Lamar Jackson, 63. Jalen Hurts, 60.8. And 10th, Jordan Love at 60.5. He's top 10 quarterback in the National Football League. His first year starting with all the crap that's gone on around him this year. Top 10 in the National Football League. That is amazing if you think about it, that he's a top 10 quarterback now. He's not a okay quarterback, right? He's not a bad quarterback. He's not a horrible quarterback. He's a top 10 quarterback And you start looking at different metrics. To me, that is amazing. When you start talking about just how good uh, this offense has been with these guys. Jordan Love has seven games this season with multiple passing touchdowns and no interceptions. This is from NFL on CBS. So seven games with at least two passing touchdowns and no picks in that same game. No other quarterback in the NFL has more than Jordan Love at this point in time. Jordan Love's last six games, 1,578 yards, 13 touchdown passes, one rushing touchdown, and one interception. 
Guys, they got another one. I'm not saying he's a Hall of Famer, not saying anything like that. What I am saying is they've got another quarterback that has a chance to put up a whole bunch of more division titles in Green Bay for the Packers for the foreseeable future uh, at Lambeau Field. And if you look at this division and kind of what the future looks like, the Minnesota Vikings need to figure out who their quarterback's going to be this offseason, right? So they're in the first round. If it's me, if they like somebody, and I'm not talking about Williams um, or or Drake, I- I'm talking about some of these other guys that uh, are going to be there. Jaden Daniels, J.J. McCarthy, whoever it may be, Bo Nix. And I'll get Bo Nix should be end of the first round probably. But whoever it is, if they like somebody and they don't think he's going to make it to them, they need to be aggressive and move up and go get that quarterback of the future. Then I would suggest that they sign Kirk Cousins back to maybe a one- or two-year deal, uh, providing they think he can play next year, and let him be that veteran presence for the future quarterback for a year or two and then have that quarterback ready to go in, say, three years. The Detroit Lions, smartly, very smartly, drafted their quarterback of the future last year and Hendon Hooker, the quarterback out of Tennessee, who was hurt and they knew wouldn't play this year. Uh, Now he's been practicing and so forth for the last few weeks. But he is going to be the quarterback of the future. There's all this nonsense talk about Jared Goff this and Jared Goff that. Uh, at the beginning of the year, I think that has all now calmed down that he is not going to be the guy for the next 10 years uh, with the Detroit Lions. But Hendon Hooker might be. You know, Maybe Jared Goff you know, is back again next year, or whatever the case may be. Uh, and then eventually they ease Hendon Hooker in that situation. So Hooker is the future there. Chicago, I have no idea what on earth the Chicago Bears plan on doing. And this was something else that we recorded in the podcast that nobody will ever hear with Radar and myself. Now, he is, as a Bears fan, a fan of keeping Justin Fields um, and continuing on with him versus drafting another quarterback and having to go through more learning curves with a new quarterback. His argument was, look, we've been through this for three years with Justin Fields. You know, he's getting better. Let's just continue to grow with Justin Fields. My take on it is simple, which is you get rid of Eberflus and that coaching staff. You bring in an offensive-minded coach. If I was Chicago, there's only one guy that I would go after with an open checkbook, uh, and that would be Harbaugh. Let him draft his quarterback and go forward from there and build. So either the future quarterback is Justin Fields or the future quarterback is Drake or Caleb Williams, one or the other. Now, if it's Justin Fields, I, I don't know how great the future is. His average passing stat line I heard earlier today on the radio was like 158 yards, one touchdown, one pick, and like three sacks if you average all of his starts together in his career, which is like 36 or 37 starts, whatever it is. I mean, there's there's nothing special uh, from that standpoint as far as what he's giving you. Has he gotten better this year? Yes. The scariest part about Justin Fields still are his legs and the ability that he gives uh, you to run. I still think the Bears have every opportunity to beat the Packers in the last week of the season because I bet you he runs for like a buck fifty against this Joel Barry Packer defense at the end of the day. Wouldn't surprise me in the least bit. So that if he's the if he's the future, not as worried. If it's one of the other quarterbacks, well, we'll have to wait and see what they look like uh, in the National Football League once they get here. As much as everybody seems to think Caleb Williams is a for sure thing, when he gets here, we'll see. See what happens. 
So that's kind of how the division looks. So from that perspective, Jordan Love is by far the best quarterback option, the most probably reliable quarterback option that any of these teams have when we start talking about who's going to be running the ship for these teams for the next, say, five to ten years. Jordan Love is number one on that list. He's the guy. Again. And while Bears fans and Lions fans and Viking fans were all hoping that the Packers would crash and burn for another 10 or 20 years like they've all had to go through. It doesn't appear that's the case. And in fact, this offense may be more dangerous than it's ever been uh, in the last 20 or 30 years if everybody can stay healthy because they're just going to continue to put guys around Jordan Love. They're going to have to find a young running back to grow with Jordan Love. That has to be done here at some point. Solidify that offensive line and go. Your tight ends and wide receivers appear to be just fine. Maybe you add one more wide receiver, uh, but for the most part, you're feeling good about yourself. And you get a Vikings team coming in or getting to play a Vikings team this week, going there, and their defense has not been playing all that well as of late. You know, they got a big interception late, uh, or the Vikings, I should say, the Lions got a big interception late uh, to stop the Vikings. Uh, there at the end, but the Vikings had every chance to win that game, and it was nothing having to do with their their defense necessarily. So their defense is a defense in which you can move the football on and you could score points on. The problem with them is, and we'll talk more about it on Friday with Ryan Horvath, is they are going to run the football. And Ty Chandler, and Madison is back now and healthy, but it, it appears Ty Chandler has won that job at running back. I think he's a better running back than Alexander Madison uh, at this point for the Vikings. So the Packers... Number one goal, obviously, is Justin Jefferson, right? You can play safety over the top, play corner underneath, whatever. Communication must be on point. You cannot lose Justin Jefferson like you lose Travis Kelsey. Like, this cannot be a thing. Otherwise, the man's going to go for a buck 75 on you, and you're gonna. it's going to be a long day regardless of who the quarterback is at this point. Justin Jefferson, just throw it around him. He'll figure out a way to go catch it. So if it's Mullins or whoever the quarterback is, he's still going to look good at the end of the day. You can't allow Justin Jefferson to go for 150 or 170 and then let Ty Chandler run for a buck 25. You're going to lose. And it's a lot of pressure, just like it was in the middle of the year when you were asking the defense, hey man, pretty much, if you give up more than you know 10 points, 13 points, we're probably going to lose because our offense sucks right now. We can't figure out how to score any points. That was a lot of pressure to put on them and unfairly, and they did the best they could. Now, at the end of the year, it's kind of reversed. Now you're going to the young offense and saying, pretty much got to score 30 if we want any chance to win a game because our defense can't stop Jack. So now the pressure goes to the offense. Now they rallied to that call against the Carolina Panthers. They did not rally to that call against the New York Giants. We'll see if they can rally to that same call against the Minnesota Vikings. That'll do it for another edition of Curd and Long. We'll talk to you again coming up on Friday. Drop time, 5 p.m. Central, like always. Ryan Horvath and myself will do Confident, Concerned, Curious. Uh, Ryan will make his predictions for the weekend as well. And God only knows what other news will come out of the Packers locker room between now and Friday. We'll talk to you then. Have a good one. Toodles!